Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. I'm Sonia. I'm Willie. And this is the podcast where we watch every episode of X-Men the Animated Series from the 90s, and then we talk about it. That's right. And just a reminder, you can follow us on Facebook, X-Men Task Podcast. Just search us out there. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are heard. Uh, if you like it, uh, give us five stars, uh, share with all your friends, tell everyone about it, and you can follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. All right. So today we're doing episode five. Captive Hearts. So there's a lot to kind of unpack in this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. This is, like I uh, alluded to at the end of the last episode, this is one of the weirder episodes of season one, at least. Right. Um, It's a one-off episode. Yes, it's kind of the first one-off episode, though it does have, uh, it lays the groundwork for connective themes that we've been seeing that have Mm -hmm. been percolating uh, the first one, uh, it addresses uh, Storm's claustrophobia right away. Right. So we got a little snippet of that in the last episode when she had a brick wall falling on her. <laughs> we we Which, saw the flashback. Not, su- not surprisingly, when she was a child, that was traumatic th- yeah, for her sure. that a brick wall fell on her head. <laughs> and it still affects her to this day. Right. Yeah. But she doesn't spell out that it's claustrophobia until this, this episode. episode. Right. So Professor X makes sure to program a like a three-dimensional wall crushing her in the danger room from all directions. Right. And she kind of, like, blows a gasket when that happens and loses control of her powers. Yeah, of course. She has claustrophobia. Yeah, but it's, you know, instead of just cowering, she you know creates like a tornado with a bunch of lightning. Right. It really triggers her powers when she... Yeah, she's pretty dangerous uh, in those states. Right. And it, it leads to some self-doubt and storm because she's supposed to be uh, one of the team leaders. Right, and she doesn't think she can do it because she's so crippled by her fear of small spaces. Yeah. And it's just kind of a weird scene altogether because as the X-Men are training in the danger room, Professor X is up on high in the control booth uh, preaching to them his mutant philosophy mm-hmm. while simultaneously pressing buttons that are with laser beams shooting at them trying to kill them. Right. And it's just like a weird like brainwashing while doing physical exercise scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has to remind them of their motives, you know, like any good employer would. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> this but, is their professional development. Yeah, and this is kind of like a day in the life of the X-Men episode. So, after the Danger Room sequence, um we cut to Jean and Cyclops on a date in New York City. Right. Out in their fa- street clothes. Right, seeing Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> um we see Jean in her first street clothes. Mhm. Like some kind of uh, pink dress. Yep. Kind of suits her with her bright red hair. I don't know. And then Cyclops has on some gray-colored sunglasses. Yeah, that's kind of weird in this episode. He's not wearing red sunglasses. He's wearing gray, silvery ones. And he even says in one of the scenes that he can't control his powers as well when he's not wearing his visor. visor. Yeah. which makes you wonder why he would wear those gray sunglasses out. Well, you know, my only thought was, uh, besides it being just a animation error. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, like, wrote in dialogue some, later some to carto- Yeah, some cartoonist who's ever animating in Asia is like, oh, he's wearing sunglasses, they're gray. <laughs> but uh, maybe it's because it's nighttime and his power is less effective at night because he actually gets his power from the sun, which Cyclops also says later. Right. So maybe he just needs a less powerful lens. Because the moon. Right. <laughs> less powerful. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's not, 
that's not really true. Uh, he should be wearing his red glasses at all times. But anyway, <laughs> he's got gray this sunglasses. This is a PSA directed only at Cyclops right now. Right. For safety reasons. Yeah, come on, Cyclops. Make mm-hmm. sure to pick out the right sunglasses when you go out in public. <laughs> um, so Jean and Cyclops are on a nice little date in the city. Meanwhile, Wolverine is back home at the X-Mansion, still getting over his injury from Sabretooth in the last episode. Um, he's working out in his ninja outfit, mm-hmm. which hints at his uh, Japanese past. Right, which we don't actually know anything about right now. Right, but, but yeah, Wolverine's famous for his adventures in Japan. Actually, I screwed up. That kind of precedes the date with Gene and Cyclops. He, uh, Gene's about to go on the date. And she sees Wolverine working out mm-hmm. uh, with his shirt off, and she kind of falls into his physical orbit there, mm-hmm. and they share a moment. And then Jean realizes what's happening, and she says, okay, I gotta go. Cyclops is waiting for me. And Wolverine's like, oh, so am I. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> He's so ready to kiss her in that moment, but uh, he can't. Nope. So there's your love triangle that's... Uh, where the the title of the episode comes from, You know, from, I, I guess. wonder what Wolverine really sees in Jean Grey. Other than her being She's a pr- pretty woman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like... She's a psychic redhead. It's cool. I guess. Maybe he's just, like, he likes the idea of dating a psychic because she could sort of ease his troubles. <laughs> you or think? Like, or, like, touch him in a way that others can't. Huh. That's got to be what it is. Because she, she can see into him... Because he's got such a wall in front of him, mm-hmm. and he likes that. I don't know. We see, like, a few times here that she's not the greatest psychic either. I know, like, oh, we yeah. were pretty hard on Professor X in the last episode for, like, yeah, the she, misuse of she, his psychic powers. She outright but... sucks, at least in this episode, when it comes to using her psychic powers. Right. I, there just seem to be so many key moments in these episodes when whoever in the room is psychic should be reading someone's mind right. to, like, get to the bottom <laughs> of things, and they don't. Right. They just, like stay still like a regular person. Yeah. It's like, come on, you're a mutant. You're trying to use your powers for good. This yeah. is an easy way to do it. And we'll touch on that in a few minutes with Jean just failing to use her psychic powers. That would have really solved all the problems uh, that happened in this episode. Um, but anyway, Jean leaves. She goes on a nice date. Uh, and then Wolverine's kind of brooding in the X-Mansion. Um, he, he's got a picture of Cyclops and Jean mm-hmm. somehow. <laughs> Like a framed photograph that maybe Gene gave him. Or maybe he <laughs> stole it from the room. I don't know. <laughs> it's creepy that he has this picture. And there's two creepy things he does to it. Right. So one is he pulls out just a single claw. <laughs> which on its own is like kind of weird that he can do that and chooses to. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think whenever he pulls out one, it's usually the middle one. No, he has full control over which one he, he pulls out. He has control, out. but I'm just saying, usually when they show it, I feel like they show him pulling out the middle claw, which is like... I don't know. It depends. I, in the cartoon, I don't think he's using the middle claw that much. We'll have to pay more attention to okay, it. Maybe That's not. a joke famously from the first X-Men movie, uh, where he gives Cyclops the finger with uh, in with the, the Statue of Liberty with the middle claw. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he takes the one claw, whichever one it is, and he just, like, scratches a little bit <laughs> on the photograph over Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's like something, uh, like, a 12-year-old with a crush would do <laughs> if he had a picture. You know, a, a creepy kid, like, with a yearbook or something. Right. 
Um, and then on the other side of the picture, he's petting Jean lovingly. Right. Also, like, kind of creepy and weird. But meanwhile, in the X-Mansion, Gambit and... Yeah, lo- love's in the air a little bit. And we, and we get our first hint of Rogue and Gambit's friendship. Right. They they come through because they're about to go, where, swimming yeah. to the sauna or they just or whatever. swam. I don't know. They're both in, like, their swimsuits. Yeah. R- Rogue, this... like, exposing lots of skin, which is not safe for her to do. Yeah. Again, I feel like we're putting out PSAs to the X-Men. And, and, and Gambit wearing a Speedo, which... <laughs> I mean, he definitely has the body to rock a Speedo, I guess, but I still think that no man should really wear a Speedo in any... But Speedos were pretty popular in the 90s. I remember being... Speedos are still pretty popular in some places. But I remember going to the beach as a little kid and being traumatized by Speedos. (laughs) It was just too much to see as a little boy for some reason. Um, So, yeah, so lots of interesting alternative X-Men outfits in this episode. We missed Gambit in the last episode, didn't we? He wasn't... He wasn't in the last one. No, he was not involved in the last episode. Strange. Yeah, the X Men have been conveniently taking a f- uh, like randomly taking a few episodes off here and there. Hmm. I think um, it's just the voice actors. No, like, I think I think one. it's just they. I think it's just the way they're writing the early episodes. They mm. just don't want them all together. Right. I guess you have to do character exposition right. for each of them. Yeah, because there was an episode before where Rogue wasn't in it in Enter Magneto. Right. And Jean hasn't really been featured in the past few episodes that much either. Mm-hmm. So now this is like a very Jean-heavy episode. Right. So anyway, uh, we're in New York City, uh, and Cyclops and Jean are enjoying their date, and uh, a little green like Kermit the Frog mutant named Leech who seems to have a lot of powers. Uh, he can lift objects with his mind, so he's got telekinesis. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he explains to Cyclops that he could uh, take his power away so Cyclops doesn't have to wear his protective glasses, which I guess where the, the leech part of his name comes from. Mm-hmm. So, And he also has the appearance of an amphibian boy, right. which is kind of sad. So he's got a lot of, like, he's a really mutated... <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, so Leech, it's all a trap. Leech draws Gene and Cyclops into the sewer, um, and they meet the Morlocks. Right. Which is an interesting moment, because the Morlocks are, like, the anti-X-Men, in a way. Yes. It's another group of mutants that have banded together, except they're... (laughs) Their claim to fame is that we're too unsightly... And ghastly because of our mutations to live on the surface world. Sort of unlike the beautiful, modely X Men that live in a mansion right. in Splendor, <laughs> where the Morlocks live in a sewer. <laughs> Class division. In a puke hole, as Wolverine describes later <laughs> in one of his best lines. Let's get out of this puke hole. <laughs> um, it's not pleasant. So the Morlocks, um, we see a bunch of them at first. Uh, you know, there's like a strong guy. I guess his name is Sunder. Yeah. He, he's he's kind of like... A... As in someone can get torn asunder. Oh, wow. I <laughs> this is why I'm happier on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see um, some of the weird mutants. That, like more prominently, there's like a mudslinging mutant. Mm-hmm. Looks like concrete almost. Yeah, maybe it's concrete. I don't know. He's like dripping with gray goo. It's got bright red <laughs> it's eyes. It's apparently like sticky and yeah, like... Yeah, it's, it's like coming out of his mouth. It's gross. Yeah. See, he should be living underground, yeah, I guess. I, I'm, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And then there's like um, 
as like an old woman who's got psychic powers. Right. But she doesn't seem that unsightly. She's just sort of like a pleasant old woman. She looks normal, but she's super creepy. Her personality oh, yeah, is super definitely. creepy. I think her name is Emily. Uh, and then there's... Uh, Callisto. Know. Oh, Callisto, the, the leader. leader. And she doesn't seem to... First of all, she doesn't really seem to have... <laughs> Many mutant powers. Well, we don't really see her use them, do we? I'm not sure. She like does like some crazy athletic backflipping. Like maybe she's super agile. And then she's got a staff. Yeah, that she uses. Yeah, maybe. To fight, yeah, maybe but... it's like a magical staff. I'm not sure. Yeah, we don't really see her powers. But at work, she doesn't but... seem that unsightly. She's got a cut over one of her eyes, and she's wearing an eye patch. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but you know, she just seems like a real toned butch woman. <laughs> Nothing yeah. like. You know, that would make someone live underground, necessarily. And there's a few... You know, that's the interesting thing about the Morlocks, because there's a few other characters, too, that are just... They are basically human in their appearance. But I think it speaks to the level of mutant persecution, where if you're a mutant, even if um, you still have the outward appearance of a human, you'd still feel like you need to be driven underground because the world's too harsh. So it's like a mixture between sort of freakish mutants and just sort of psychologically oppressed or damaged uh, mutants. Yeah, right. And it's not really clear if they have, like, motives in mind other than, well... Just being outcasts. Right, yeah. And, uh... It's pretty sad. It's a sad situation. Yeah, but it's not like they're guided by some big (laughs) philosophy like Magneto or Professor X are. You know what I mean? It's like, they're, they're, like, trying to get by. That's pretty much their motive in life. Yeah. They, I don't know. They've got... They've, they seem to have their own society. I mean, the plot of the episode, more or less, is Callisto somehow has VHS footage of <laughs> of Cyclops fighting the Sentinels from the, the first and second episode. Right. And she's, like, insanely attracted to him. Um, right. She wants him to come and be her... A concubine. Yeah, Yeah. she says she wants an heir. Right. (laughs) Cyclops says, take out Ned. (laughs) Yeah, this episode is really full of punchy one-liners. There's a lot of of quips in this episode. Uh, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty insane. She wants, like, a really good-looking man that's a mutant. Right. To father her children. Yeah. And, you know, and Cyclops, he is really good-looking. You know, as we've discussed, he's like Tom, I think he's like a Tom Cruise type. Except tall. Yeah, he's like a, <laughs> he's a tall, uh, you know, sort of auburn-haired Tom Cruise man. Well, I don't know. Anyway, Callisto wants him like to be captured and you know do her bidding basically, and so the the X Men have to come down there and try to save him. Yeah, led by Storm, whose claustrophobia uh, challenges her in leading the X Men on this little mission. Right. So they. You know, there's, like, some pretty nice fight scenes in this episode yeah. because you're seeing the Morlocks go up a against lot, the Yeah, X-Men whenever and... mutants fight other mutants, which is a lot of the X-Men, it's it's pretty interesting. Right. Um, you see a lot of... And, you know, there's Morlocks that are kind of like Morph, the dearly departed Morph. They mm-hmm. can There's, like, several of them that can change into creatures or into other people. Yeah. And um, there's, like, this one Morlock that's really interesting. Uh, she's kind of, like, flat two-dimensional woman. Right, with that rainbow hair. She's got, yeah, it's like pastel rainbow hair. We don't really see her fighting in the action, No, she's think, more but... like a, a spy because she can blend in with the background and then, right. like, in the, it's like a 2D wall or something. Right. It's hard to explain, but if you see the episode, she's She just kind peculiar. of, like, appears out of nowhere, and then when she turns to the side, you realize that she's, like, a sheet of paper. Yeah, that, it's not a surprise that she lives underground, too. <laughs> That'd be really 
off-putting to meet someone who's two-dimensional. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, like you said, a lot of good quips when uh, there's a scene where the mud man traps Wolverine and Gambit. And one of my favorite lines as a kid, I just remember rewinding this. I taped every episode, by the way, as a kid on Saturdays. <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah, they're in my parents' house somewhere with those ancient 90s commercials on them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to see. Uh, well, actually, I tried to cut out the commercials as best I could, but still there's sometimes where I was lazy. Anyway, I, for, for some reason, I rewind the scene where Gambit would say, Sticky situation, mono me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. I was endlessly fascinated by that. <laughs> Him, but smooth French. Yeah, his well, is it French or is it Cajun? He's Cajun. He's Cajun, so he speaks some French. Yeah, but what is Cajun? I don't even know what Cajun is. It's it, French. Is it French or is it like a dialect of French that they speak in Louisiana that is not even French? Is it just French? I think it's French with an accent, kind of like Cajun English is English with a heavy accent. So Cajun isn't its own uh, language. I don't think it's so. It's not like a weird hybrid. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing about Cajun. Well, someone can tell us different. I know that Wolverine like constantly sort of uh, insults his Cajun heritage right. in a way that, you know, if Gambit was Jewish, wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, pick any other, uh, you know, minority group. Right. Um, so, uh, so the X-Men are tangling with the Morlocks. There's some back and forth between them. The Morlocks uh, have a scene where they get a shapeshifter to pretend that uh, Scott is dead. Mm -hmm. And Jean Grey legitimately buys buys this. Right. So there's a living living human being pretending to be... Well, mutant. Yeah, right. There's a living mutant on the ground pretending to be dead. And Jean Grey doesn't even think to, like, use her psychic power to see if this is a person that's alive. Not even that... Right. But, like, the person has shapeshifted into Cyclops... And they're claiming that he's dead. So if I were Jean Grey, the first thing I would do is try to read his mind to see if he's yeah, actually right. dead. Yeah, right. Well, she just takes him at their word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she just, well, I guess she's traumatized or something, right? Oh, right, Cause, yeah. Because yeah. that's her, like, her one true love or something. I guess, but, I mean... So she runs over and she's, like, crying over him and stuff. And... She's just a bad psychic in this episode. There's another scene. That, that old woman, Emily, that we mentioned that has psychic powers and tells Wolverine there's scorpions all over him and puts mm-hmm. people to sleep. Right, she and does, has like, mind control, A basically. creepy old lady voice. Yeah. Jean Grey is, like, defenseless against this person, too, a lot in a lot of scenes. Right, the old woman convinces her that she's her daughter and that she has to, like, oh, be afraid of everyone else. That's such a creepy scene. That's a horrible scene. It, like, it's... Creepy isn't even the right word. Can you do it's like Jean, disgusting. Can you do Jean's voice in no, that scene? No, I don't even want to. You want to. me to try? No. <laughs> I don't want to recreate it Mommy. in any way. All right. Enough. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It's really bad. So, yeah, Jean is a very uh, weak psychic at this stage in her ex-career. I mean, maybe it's like, you know, she actually laments earlier in the episode that this is their day off and their date. So maybe she's just too tired. She's had a long week in the danger room. She can't, like, <laughs> she can't muster the strength to really fight these Morlocks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then uh, the love triangle that we mentioned, um, now maybe a love quadrilateral. Quadrilateral? Yeah, a love quadrilateral. A with love square? Callisto. A love rectangle? Right, because Callisto loves Cyclops, <laughs> Cyclops loves Jean, Wolverine loves Jean, and nobody loves Callisto. <laughs> nobody loves Wolverine. And nobody loves Wolverine, right. Yeah. Yeah. So... A uh, love diamond. Right. Um, <laughs> a flawed love diamond. Yeah. Uh, so, 
there's a weird scene where Wolverine rescues Cyclops from the Morlocks, and he's alone, and Cyclops is passed out on a bench, and Wolverine says something like, I can make a lot of women sad right now. Two women, he says. I can make a couple of women or something like that. Okay, I can make a couple of women <laughs> sad right now, but I just can't stand to see Gene upset. It's right. like, what the fuck are you talking about, Wolverine? You're just going to kill Cyclops? <laughs> so you hate him that much that you're just going to kill him while he's passed out on a bench? Right. You know, it's like you were just waiting for a moment where he was defenseless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty insane of... Uh, I wasn't going to really do it. But... I guess not, but that's just a really weird beat that yeah. Wolverine's even going there. Well, that's a complex set of emotions that he's got. He loves this woman, but she loves somebody else. Yeah. He wants to be rid of the guy, but he also... Like that would backfire on him, and it just you know, it speaks this idea that like may, maybe he's killed a lot of other like girlfriends of his of his ex boyfriends, maybe w- ruthlessly without <laughs> much. And now he's an ex man; he has to think twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really hard pill for him to swallow. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, uh, you know the situation resolves itself. Storm musters the courage to get over her claustrophobia. She challenges Callisto to a fight. And it's kind of a ridiculous scene because uh, Callisto uh, has two Phantom Menace-era Darth Maul lightsabers. That <laughs> well, no, not really, though, because they're like... They grip. They can grip the. Right. They can grip the, the glowing, glowing part. part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not actually a lightsaber. <laughs> but it looks just like it, though. Yeah. It yeah. Does. They glow. But and... then you see them like hold on to the ends, mm-hmm. and yeah. it becomes apparent that I don't know what the special power of these like staffs are, but nothing. I mean, because I think they hit each other with them, and right. they just, it's just hit sticks, right? Yeah, they're just glowing sticks. Yeah. All right. They're just fancy stick technology. Um, and Callisto. I mean, uh, Storm beats Callisto pretty easily and <laughs> you know and she makes a very fair offer to the Morlocks she's like listen you guys all live in a sewer we live in a humongous mansion there's only like seven seven of us in the mansion but this is like a 50 room mansion <laughs> well she doesn't explain all this no but she just says I'll grant you all safe haven in the ex-mansion right yeah. so you don't need to live in the sewers right. anymore very generous like, of her to go. I mean she didn't check with Professor X but we can assume that Professor X yeah he'd be fine I guess I mean he'd ha- he'd all have to take them on as X-Men too and train them would they be interested in that or are they you know it seems I like mean, a lot who of knows, them but it just need like a warm meal they're not interested <laughs> Maybe and, Professor X would like it because they need to have more, uh, you know, psychotherapy <laughs> patients to work on. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, but they deny it. You know, they say, uh, the mud guy says, when humankind learns to accept mutants, then we'll come to you to the surface. Right. And Storm says, agreed, I'll be back for you when all of society's <laughs> ills are cured. It's like, so in other words, we'll never see you again. Right, yeah. <laughs> She's basically saying, like, don't worry, we're going to end this racism, speciesism yeah. between this humans and mutants. Mass, un, mass-fearing prejudice that permeates the globe. Right. Once that's taken care of, we'll come back for you in our lifetimes, presumably. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good luck, Morlocks. Uh, yep. Hold on to your hats. You're basically asking to live in a sewer forever. Uh, but we do, you know, spoilers, we do meet the Morlocks on, I think, a few more occasions. And, uh, for instance, um, one of them we meet, I think her name is Pestilence. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what her name becomes when she meets, uh, dun-dun-dun, Apocalypse. Yeah. She becomes one of the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. And her power is to, like, touch people and give them, like, horrible illnesses. Right, yeah. So she gives Gambit the plague. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't seem... That's kind of like a like weird side recovery. scene in this yeah. episode, actually. We see her in, like, a you know, kind of lengthy conversation, like, giving him some kind of plague, and then he gets a fever. A touch of the plague, sweetie. And then, like, Rogue has to take him home to, like, yeah. rest. Well, yeah, he's got the plague. You gotta yeah. treat that shit fast. I guess, but... Uh, anyway, so then... I mean, it, what cures the plague? Uh, is nothing. it just penicillin? Oh, does it? I mean, there has to be some modern... There's a reason why the plague does not persist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the, I mean, it does, actually. I think there is still some cases of plague out there. What? Which is... Yeah, there are. It's not, like, fully eradicated. Huh. But um, it, it it has been treated because, you know... Is the plague the same as smallpox? No. 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 The plague did kill half of or, like, a third of the human Europe. population at some point. Uh-huh. So the plague serious news. I just feel bad for Gamma getting the plague. That just seems horrible. I'm sure we'll see him back in an episode. Yeah, no, he's two. fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then you know everything's resolved with the Morlocks. They finally get to leave the sewer. Storm conquers her claustrophobia for the time being, and um, and we return to the X Mansion where. Well, they get to leave the sewer, but they don't. No, the X Men leave the sewer. Oh, the they get to go sewer. home and yeah. relax in the yeah, mansion. Yeah, right. Yeah, they can <laughs> they, put they can, on their bathing suits. They can get and... take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So they get back uh, to the mansion. Right. Uh, Gene and Cyclops go to visit Wolverine. I guess to thank him. They go to thank him. Yeah. For well, he's the one that actually like gets Cyclops out of there finally. So they go to like say thank you to him. Yeah. And they open the ro- the door to his room and discover that he's gone again. But, you know, it's not like he has to spend every minute at the mansion. He could leave some time. I don't see why they automatically assume that he's gone for good. Maybe, like, his clothes and stuff are not there. You know, when they open that room, it does look like all his stuff's thrown about. But that does also it looks doesn't... like a weight room. Yeah, it's a it's like a weight room. He's got a lot of weights in there. Because he does his ninja training and right, exercising and in out. there. But still, I, I don't know. This is, again, Jean jumping to conclusions, like, thinking that her boyfriend's dead. Like, why <laughs> should she just assume Wolverine's never coming back? right. Again, I feel like he's already left psychic. a couple of times in the first few episodes and came back. Yeah, I think three out of five episodes he's <laughs> left and come back already. So it's like, I don't even know why she's that shocked. But again, she's psychic. Can't she... Like, Professor X contacts people mm-hmm. via his psychic powers yeah. that are, like, far away from him. The proximity doesn't seem to matter that much. Right. Like, can't Gene or Professor X just kind of see where he went? I mean, I guess that we, that's what we could maybe attribute Jean's shock to Wolverine's departure, because she immediately maybe feels his emotion that I've left for good because I love you. Oh, okay. And, maybe. you know, I, I let, let's, just, let's just chalk it up to that, because otherwise it makes no sense. That, right. You know, it's not like, it's not like they're, his ba- they're his babysitter. Yeah. He, he could go out into the convenience store, I'm sure he has, <laughs> buy some <laughs> beer, which he likes to drink. Uh-huh. Um, so, but Wolverine is gone. Yeah. And, uh, which, uh, hints at the next episode, which is called Cold Vengeance, mm-hmm. which is more, it's a pretty Wolverine-centric episode. Yeah. And actually one of my personal favorites. Real cr- crowd pleaser, that Wolverine. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a really good episode coming up. All right. So, uh. We'll we, look forward to that. Yes, we should leave it right there. So just a uh, reminder again, find us on Facebook, uh, X-Men Task Podcast, ask us questions. Uh, find me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, rate us five stars. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Um, we uh, look forward to hearing from you. We do. So that's all I got. Yep, me too. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye.